Great. We're in, we're in our series in the book of 1 John, and we've come through the book, and we've paused uh, in the one section where we really did a little bit of a deep dive on what it means to love and to know the love of God. And then Mark continued last week. We were kind of speeding up again. And we're into 1 John chapter 4, so heading towards the end. We've got this chapter and one left. But John uh, begins to address these believers again. And last week, Mark uh, did the first chapter. And then John comes back to a little section here, which we're going to preach on this morning. as John chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles from verse 7. You're welcome to turn there or just grab your phone and Google 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And that should take you straight there. And John has been writing uh, this letter. He's a bit of a uh, uh, talker, and he talks in circles. I don't know if you've ever met someone who talks in circles. No, it's just, just maybe, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm that person, uh, and, you, and that's why no one's answering. <laughs> um, they talk in circles, and this is what John does. He's talking, and he's encouraging them and speaking to them about a few things. And then he kind of revisits all those same things again, and he revisits them almost in three cycles. He goes round and round um, and talks about them. And, and really, uh, three of the main ones, which I'll just pick up for you quickly, and maybe we'll just do a, a 2 minutes uh, overview for 1 John, where we are in the book. But he, he talks to them always about doctrine. He says, you know, this is what you ought to believe, Jesus, believe in Jesus, to put down anyone who says that Jesus didn't come in the flesh. So he's talking about issues of doctrine, what we believe, right? Uh, he, he addresses that on several occasions, and they've got some false teachers, so he, does, he keeps telling them to put down the, the false doctrines. He continually gives them assurance. He says, you are born of God, um, that you, you know God, you, you, are, you are loved by God. And so he gives them this assurance that they are belonging to God, that they are loved by God. And then he urges them to love uh, repeatedly. He keeps pressing upon them, I want you to love one another, love one another. And these are themes that he kind of, he introduces them at, in the first stage, just an introduction in the ideas. He comes back to them and sort of goes a little bit deeper. And as we get to this back end of the book, this is the last cycle he's going through. He's going to sort of address these same things again. Now he's really wanting to encourage himself. Uh, uh, we've spoken about this, but I really want you to do it. I want you to Nike this stuff. I want you to do it. Come on, we can, we can really do this. And so that's how it goes. Maybe we just have a quick read through 1 John, flip back to 1 John chapter 1. We see that he outlays right in the beginning, Jesus, he was the, who is from the beginning, whom we have felt, whom we have touched, whom we have held, whom we have seen, and whom we proclaim to you. The factual, historical Jesus. Uh, Christian is built upon the fact that Jesus came. And so he wants them to know that anyone who doesn't uh, agree with this, well, their doctrine's wonky. There's Jesus was a person, and yet he was God. He says, not only would Jesus come, but we have fellowship. We've been welcomed into fellowship with God. We have fellowship, he says, with the Father and with the Son. And so he, he gives them a security. He says, you have fellowship with the Father and the Son. You are known by God. And uh, he continues through, he says, this is the message, again, doctrine that you have heard. God is light. In him there is no darkness. So this is kind of the, at, the, the sort of doctrinal beginning he's giving to them. He says, Jesus, believe on Jesus. Know who Jesus is. God, know that God is light. He is perfect. And in him there is no darkness. You have to hold these things says, and put down anyone who doesn't believe this or, or don't, don't believe uh, anything that's contrary to these sound things. Then he, he goes on, this is our message. You, have, you ought to have fellowship with one another. 
as you live in the light. So then he begins to encourage him, yep, this results in us loving and living uh, for others and loving others. He goes on, chapter 2, my dear little children, Jesus Christ is the righteous. Um, uh, God's love is perfected by this. God's love is perfected in us. Again, just encouraging them in doctrine. And then he says in chapter 2, there's a little poem there where three times he says, one, your sins are forgiven. Three times it says, you know him, you know God. And then it says, you've overcome the world. And so John, again, just encouraging him, he says, you, you are, your sins are forgiven, assurance. You are right with God. And not only that, but now you know him, you fellowship with God, you have a walk with God. And so he's encouraging him again uh, to walk with God. Um, I'll skip ahead because we're just doing a very quick fly through here. Um, let's go to chapter 3, the kind of love that the Father has given to us. So again, he expresses the love that God has. Then he says in verse 11 of chapter 3, this is the message, and he describes God's love for the rest of the chapter. This is our message in chapter 1, God is light, in him there's no shadow, he is perfect, he's holy, he's good. But also, this is the message, chapter 3, God is love. And so God's love and God's holiness are together, they're the same message. God is so loving. In fact, God's very nature is love. He becomes angry. Remember, we spoke about this a couple weeks ago. God becomes angry. He becomes angry with what? With sin. Why? Because he doesn't want sin to be there. He wants to deal with it. He wants to remove it. And he did something about it. He sent Jesus. So it's all out of flowing, out of God's great love that he wants to eradicate sin. God is love in his very nature. He becomes angry when he sees sin. Because he doesn't want it to be there. He wants to deal with it. And so even God's anger is a result of his love and his perfection. And he did something about it. And so he's saying here, God is love. God himself is love. And out of him flows all these other things. And so he goes on um, to say, love one another, the rest of chapter uh, 3. Then chapter 4, which Mark preached on again last week, he goes back to doctrine and he says, don't let anyone deceive you. You'll hear many things. You'll be, pers- be, you'll be tried to be persuaded to move away from Jesus. And so that's just a quick overview. What we're seeing here, these things happening all the time. He's saying what you believe is important. You can't not believe in Jesus and the work of Jesus. You can't not believe that Jesus was God. Um, you have to believe correctly. So he's making an important point about theology in a sense, and he keeps coming back to it. Believe in Jesus. Believe Jesus is all that he said he is. Along with that doctrine, he gives us an assurance. You are loved by God. You are known by God. You have fellowship with God. You are, have fellowship with the Father and with the Son. You have the Spirit, he says in chapter 3. And so continually he's giving them this assurance as well. And then he gives them this call to love. He says, I want you, as a result of all this, to love one another. When, when, when uh, John is encouraging us to love, he kind of has brought us to this place where he says, you know God. You understand who he is, but I want you to grow in this love. When he says you know God, he he's wants us to make sure that we're moving past just a knowledge, a head knowledge. That's, and this is what it begins, he begins to describe in these chapters, that when we know God, we don't just know about him. You know, um, you can have information about someone. You know, oh, yeah, God loves God. God is love. That's lovely. He says, no, not only do you have uh, the word he's using there, no, is not purely just a knowledge word, but you actually know God, to know someone. Like, I know my wife loves me. Sometimes you might doubt that. (laughs) If you're married or you have someone close to you or your family, you go, I know my family loves me, but I'm I'm a bit confused at the moment. 
God's love is not confusing in any way. His love is constantly towards us. His love is perfect. But we can know love. We can assent to it like mentally, but then we can actually know the love of God. Do we know or do we have this knowledge? It's not just uh, something in our brain, but something that we've experienced. And so he's encouraging them to know the love of God. Are we growing not just in our knowledge of love, but actually are we growing in love itself? Are we loving more? Are we knowing God more and experiencing more of his love? And so this is where um, John has got to in this um, letter. He will remind us of what Paul says in Corinthians. He says, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. It's the same idea. He says it's no good just to know everything, but you actually have to begin to love others. You have to show this love by experiencing it, by demonstrating it, by engaging with it. Because if you just got a knowledge of it, it will just puff you up. But actually, we, I want to give you an opportunity to grow in love. And this is where we reach. John is reached in John, uh, 1 John 4 and verse 7. And he begins to urge him for the last time, I want you to love one another. And so have a look quick at verse 7. He says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever love, loves has been born of God and knows God. Mark preached a few weeks ago about the different kinds of love. You know, um, uh, eros love is romantic love. That's, you see a lot of that on Hollywood. Yay, I'm so excited to be in love. This feels great. And normally in those movies, it's all perfectly happy endings. Yeah, you know about that? My wife watches those movies, and she, she, she reads first what the ending is before she watches it because she will refuses to have an unhappy ending. So, uh, <laughs> but love, like that kind of love is, on one level, we can, enga- we can do it. You can, you, can, you can do that quite easily. If you, see, if you fall in love, you see someone, and you really infatuate. That can happen to you. There's a brotherly love where you, um, where you just love someone. It's not a romantic love, but you really have a great affinity and appreciation for someone, maybe even a work colleague or a family member or a close friend, people you just respect and really love them and, and enjoy them and, and enjoy being around them. That's also possible to experience and know. But as Mark preached a few weeks ago, this is the different kind of love. It's, the Greek word is agape, which just means it's the love of God. It's God's love, which is very perfect and very different to how we love, right? And so he's encouraged, I want you to know this love of God, which is very different to any human kind of love, and I want you to love each other with it. And so he says, the first word he says there is beloved, which really is, the word is, again, agape, it's agapaos or something like that, which just means you guys who are the recipients of God's love, you are the beloved, you are loved by God with such a great love that you, uh, you have experienced and come to know you are beloved of God. You, my beloved, you have experienced this love. And so, again, it's just an assurance that God loves them. That's how he starts off this. You are loved by God. Let us, therefore, love one another, for love comes from God. Let us do it. Let us, let us love one another. Let us do it, for love is from God. It originates from God, this kind of love. Whoever loves, um, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever has this love of God in them has been born of God and knows God. Whoever is like an open invitation, right? Whoever, everyone, who? Who would like to do this? Yes, I would love to do this. I don't know if you've ever thought about the love text in 1 Corinthians. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Everyone gets very romantic feelings about that text. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gracious. Love is not self-seeking. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not seek its own. 
Um, it's all very lovely. Why is this? Has anyone ever sort of thought of that in a nostalgic way? Oh, so beautiful. They always use it at weddings, right? And you're like, oh, lovely. That's lovely. If you thought about it, you can't pretty much do any of that. <laughs> um, you need the love of God. It is describing something which is perfect love. And yet we have this thing where we go, yes, that's right. That is, I want that. Count, sign me up. I'd love to do, yes, please. And so in the Corinthians text, it's so um, beautiful. It almost draws you in, right? You're like, yes, I'd love to, to reflect God in that way. I'd love to grow in all that kind of love. In the John text, it's a little harder because he's like, I want you to love others and be like those. And you're like, oh, John, hang on. Maybe just backpedal a bit. Let's, 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 let's romanticize it again. Let's go back to Corinthians and talk about how lovely it is. But Paul and John are actually just in agreement. They're saying really the same thing. And so what we, what we ought to do is we encourage ourselves by seeing the beauty of it and the, and on the goodness of it and the, the health of it, the wholeness of it, the kindness of it, the perfection of it is beautiful. And this is what John is saying. Yeah, this, he's kind of giving his Corinthians moment. He's like, this, let's do this. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. We can uh, have this love of God shed abroad in our own hearts. And so he says, anyone who is born of God and knows God, loves. Um, I think it's true that we must be born again. We must know God to, to have the, this love of God. I don't think if you not, don't know Jesus, you, ca- you cannot do this. Anyone, he goes on to say, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. Not he becomes love. God himself is love. We know and we know God. Anyone who knows this love, knows God. Not just in information, but in experience. Verse 9, he says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. So he says, I want you to love each other with this love of God. And then he says, but I want to show you, I want to show you how God did it. I want to show you how God displayed this love. He says, This is the love of God, that God made himself manifest among us. Jesus made himself manifest among us. God loved so much that he did something about it. God loved us so much, even though he saw the sin, he saw the brokenness, he sent his son, the Bible says. The love, rather than um, getting more and more angry with sin, God's anger was aroused by sin. Instead of getting more and more angry with sin, he did something. He sent his son to redeem us, to rescue us from sin. And that's what the love of God is like. Sometimes we might experience becoming angry or disappointed or envious. And what what do we tend to do? We tend to escalate it to, oh, sorry, we, I shouldn't say all of you, me. What do I tend to do? tend to escalate, they get a little angrier, a little more upset, a little more impatient until eventually it comes out in full-blown sin. (laughs) And normally that's what we do, we escalate. But but God was not escalating his anger. He grew angry from sin and so, but then he did something about it. He sent Jesus and manifested his love to redeem us. And that's kind of the reflection of what God's love is like. And this, again, the reflection of how we ought to love one another. When we're kind of feeling these, like, oh, I'm feeling the opposite of 1 Corinthians starting to happen. Love, the Bible says, covers sin. It does not grow in anger, but it covers rather. And this is how God demonstrated his own love 
Instead of growing in, in his anger, he, he sent Jesus. He loved us so much that he made a way through the death of Jesus to deal with the sin. God sent, I wonder if you've ever thought about that for a moment. God sent Jesus. The Father sent Jesus. Um, I think in our society we often kind of struggle with authority and submission. It's like two very evil words for some reason. The Father sent Jesus. He was equal with Jesus. Jesus was not, is not less God, but the Father sent. There's authority and submission even within the Godhead. And um, it's not a broken system. It's actually God's system. It can be broken, and we see it broken. That's why we're scared of it when we see it operating outside of love outside of God's kindness and his goodness. But the Father sent Jesus to do this. He said he sent his only son. The Greek word there is monogenes, his one and only son. It's in, in uh, John 3.16 as well where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his monogenes, his one and only son. Mono is we get our word mo- monorail. You ever seen that? Mono is one. Genus, we get our word genetics or g- genes from. God sent the only son. Now, it's confusing because isn't, doesn't God, aren't we all welcomed and adopted as sons into God's family? Yes, we are. But God sent his one and only son, the one son who is one who as he is, monogenes, the one who is the same as him. Jesus is God. He sent the one who is as he is, the, mono, the one as he is son, the one son who is exactly like him. He sent God had to come in and rescue us. So God sent his one and only son that we might believe in him, John 3.16 says. So in here, he says it slightly differently. He says, not only can we meet God, but here we can live through him. He says, God sent his only son so that we might live through him. Everything God did was to redeem us and to bring us back to life. You know, God didn't need to do anything. He didn't need to do that. Um, His love wasn't self-centered. God gave of himself to rescue us, to redeem us back to himself, that we might live. God was already alive. He was already good. He was all good. It's like the opposite of us. You know, te- I tend to be, when I'm all good, then I kind of just chill, <laughs> yeah, just relax. Oh, I'm all, everything's good. I'm great. And that kind of is my, you kind of want to set into this gear of, oh, it's this opportunity just to uh, be about myself. God, while he was all good, while he was perfect, while he had no need, gave of himself. And this is kind of the demonstration of God's love. It is through Jesus that we come to love. Verse 10, he says, In this is love, not that we love, but that God first loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice, the NIV says, for our sins, or the propitiation is a big word that is used there. But basically what it means is God loved us so much that he atoned for our sin in Jesus. Love and assurance are parceled together. God loves us and he welcomes us in and assures us of his love. And that God's anger was turned away because of Jesus. That's what that word means, the propitiation. It means that God, God's anger was turned away. It's like giving a gift to turn away anger is the English kind of version of that. If you've ever been in trouble uh, with someone, you know and you've done the wrong thing, what, what do we often do? We kind of come and apologize and want to make right, but we, sometimes we can buy them something, a nice present, flowers, chocolates. I'm hinting at a few things here. Gentlemen, make some notes. 
you can, that's what the word propitiate means, is to turn away. So that person was upset. They were, oh man, this is, now obviously that's on a human level uh, when there's sin on both sides. But on God's side, God's, God was, I need, this sin needs to be dealt with. And Jesus propitiated it. He turned up and gave an atoning sacrifice, something which would turn away God's anger. And obviously the cross is way deeper than just that. But this is the one aspect that John is focusing on here. There's, a, there's an anger of God which has been turned away. You can know this love of God. You can know the love of God and that God has turned his anger away from you. You can come to such assurance that you know God loves you. You can grow more and more in your assurance that you know that you are loved by God and kept by him. And loved by God, I want to ask you, have you come to a place of complete and utter assurance that God loves you? that you are known by him and loved by God, that God's anger is not towards you in any way. Does God's love come towards me? Yes. Is God's anger towards me? No, not anymore, not because of Jesus. If you weren't in Jesus, perhaps you would still be sitting under the judgment of God. But if we are known by God, if we've been born again, God's anger is turned away. That's what John is saying. And we can know this. I honestly believe we can grow to know more and more the assurance of God's love that we can come, at the end of this uh, passage, he says, in this is the love of God perfected or completed, where we can come to a complete knowledge of the love of God in the sense that it, com- it comes to us in such a way that we know God's love us. We've we finished with that. We've finished with the doubt that does God love me. There's, it is possible to come to that place and to know God in that way. I think John... Um, had got there. And so we may still struggle with that. You may still struggle with that. But John is indicating to us that we can know this love of God. God's, love, God's anger is turned away and his love can be known. We can know that he loves us. Beloved, if God so loved us, so we ought also to love one another. If you know and experience this love of God, the more we come to know the love of God, we realize that we have nothing to fear. The Father has everything under his control. The more and more we know, not the more and more we've heard about or agree with theologically the love of God, the more we know that God loves us, his anger has been turned away and is for us, the less and less we have to fear. The Bible says that perfect love, God's love, drives out fear. Our fears are washed away in the great love of God. So I want to encourage us, as John is doing, love, love God, learn the love of God, know the love of God, be assured of the love of God, and let it sink in, and this will help you to love others. We are able to love, not that we always love, but we are able to, because of the abundance of the love and mercy that we've received from Jesus. Verse 13, he says that this comes by the Holy Spirit. And of course, we need God, God's involvement to shape us like this. But I want to encourage you, it is possible and true to know and walk in this assurance and love of God. And this is what John is really getting at. He says, let's do this. Let's, let's really walk and live in this love of God. No one has ever seen God, he says, but if we love one another, God's love abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God, but you have seen one another. Just look to your left and to your right. (laughs) There you go. 
No one has ever seen God, but you have seen one another, John says. This, in this, he says, when you look to the left and to right, that is where this love of God is perfected. This is where the love of God becomes visible, where it becomes real, where it becomes personal. Not only to those who you love around you, but actually to yourself as well. John is saying that this love of God is perfected by looking to the left and to the right, by those who we do see. Perfected love. I want to read the Corinthians version of it, which John is speaking about the same thing. It's the same word, agape. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things. Love endures all things, and love never ends. Paul has encouraged those believers in 1 Corinthians at the beginning of that text. He says, I want to show you a more excellent way. I want to urge you in a more excellent way. I want to paint a beautiful picture for you. John is doing the same. Let us love. Let us love. Look to your left and look to your right. In there is where the love of God is perfected. In those around you. John is saying that this love can be perfected in us. It is in loving others that we get to display this great love of God. The love of God is patient. And so we get an opportunity when someone is not fast enough. That's when we get to be patient and we get to display and show, God, help me in this moment to love in, by displaying patience. This is what it looks like. He says this is what it, this great love begins to look like. In kindness, we get to display kindness towards others. The, the uh, temptation to be harsh comes often and fast. John's saying, look to the left, show kindness. I want to ask you, have you, showed, have you taken an opportunity to display kindness to someone? It puts aside envy. It does not boast. It is not rude. Rudeness, arrogance, sometimes is our default. It does not insist on its own way. Do you always insist on your own way? There's an opportunity to display this love of God, to make it grow even within our own hearts. It puts aside resentment. Have you held on to a resentment? Are you upset with someone? It does not rejoice in wrong, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. It endures everything. And then he says, it never ceases. <laughs> well, uh-oh. <laughs> and this is the encouragement that John is giving us. Let us pursue God's great love, and let us demonstrate it by loving those around us. So John has circled around through these things, believe correctly, you are assured that of God's great love towards you. And now I really want you to look to the left and the right and just begin to love others in all these ways. As we come to close this, I want to read, go back to our text and just read it to us one last time and then we're going to take communion. But I want to read it um, and just translate it a little bit. Give me a little bit of license to translate um, and just add a few things which um, I think will be helpful as we read this text together. 1 John 4, have a, have a look there. 
1 John 4 and verse 7. We're going to land it back in this text where John is urging us to love and how we ought to love and how we can. 1 John 4 verse 7. Those who are loved by the love of God, the agape of God, to all of you who are loved by God's love, let us, let you show God's love to others. For this kind of love comes only from God. Whoever has God's love must be or has been born of God and knows God. Whoever contains or has, possesses God's love is born of God and knows God. Because God himself is this love. In this is, the, is God's love or the, God's kind of love shown and manifested among us. That God sent his only son who is as he is into the world, so that we could live through this life, through him. In this love of God, in the God love, not that we had the God love, but God had this kind of love for us. In this love, God sent his son in order to propitiate, to deal with, to remove his anger at our sins. In this, God's love was shown and displayed to us that he sent his son to remove our sins. Beloved, those who are loved by God's love, those who are receivers of the agape, the beloved of God, if God so loved us with this God kind of love, then we can love with the God kind of love those around us. We can demonstrate this same love to those who are around us. No one has ever seen God No one has ever seen God. But if we allow the love of God to overflow from us to others, then we know that God is with us or is with us, abiding in us. And this kind of God love begins to be perfected in us as we display it and share this kind of love with others. This love of God grows and blossoms even within our own hearts and own lives and shapes and changes us. God, we thank you for your great love. My, what John is saying here in this text, uh, warm our hearts, change our hearts, that we might know the assurance of such a great love, and we might be um, excited or encouraged or blessed to know it, and then also in the same way, honored and joyous to be able to shed it abroad to those around us. God, let your great love just become a hallmark of all that we do and all that we say.